grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. is found recorded in Malachi chapter 2, beginning of the 10th verse. Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, who is really our God? And in order to answer that question, you have to understand this important truth. And it may rather sound silly, but there's actually nothing silly about it. That when it comes to the one true God, you are not. I am not. Not one of us is God. We have been created by God. And therefore, we don't follow the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. That's selfishness. And that is what God certainly condemns when he says, you shall have no other gods. There is only one true God, and he is triune. And there is no other. Any other God is a fake and a fraud. The one God describes himself as Jesus beautifully put it when he told people to baptize. He said, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And yet, God says, he is one. Three in one. Three distinct persons, but one God. Some will say, look at the, look at the three-leaf clover. And you got one clover and three leaves. But that doesn't even work. Because each one is distinct and unique and separate. And yet, only one God. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. One God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Human logic cannot even begin to fathom this. Science can't even prove it. So the only way to understand it is to believe it. This is how God describes himself. This is who God says he is. He is one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first person of the Trinity is called the Father. The last of the prophets that God spoke to in the Old Testament was Malachi. And Malachi was dealing with the Israel at a time when they were turning away from the Lord. He was dealing with terrible ungodliness. And wherever you find ungodliness, you will also find wickedness. And especially the kind of wickedness that attacks and goes against one another. Because where there is selfishness, there is not love for another. And in an ungodly society, in a wicked society... People turn on each other as they fall away from the Lord. It always goes hand in hand. 
So Malachi would ask the question, are we not all one? Have we not all one father? Did not one God create us? The very people you are hurting are the very people that God created. And he calls God Father. Our Father is the maker of heaven and earth. He is called the Father because of that. He created everything in six 24-hour days out of nothing using his almighty word. He even created Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then when it came to making his wife, he made her from his rib. And, and therefore, when Adam and Eve came together, Adam would confess, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then, after he created everything out of nothing, he didn't stop creating. Yes, the process of out of nothing did end at the end of the six days, and on the seventh day he rested. But the creating in the sense that he preserved everything that he made, he didn't just simply walk away and leave us to our own fate and to our own luck, because there is no such thing as fate and luck. God is in control. He sends the sunshine. He sends the rain. He makes the plants grow. The animals eat the plants. We even enjoy the plants. We even eat the cattle. And all of it coming from the hand of the Lord. And not only did he go and preserve everything, but he even protected us. For we have a holy God who says that he watches over us. Even the very angels he created will serve in our, in our behalf. We're even protected by guardian angels. Oh, it does not mean that life is going to be perfect all the time. We live in a sinful world. We live in a sinful world, that very sin that's cursed our very human nature. We've inherited it. We're born with it. But the very God who watches over us does work out all things for good. And always to his glory, and for the saving of souls. Calling God our Father because he created us is not the only reason. We also call God Father because he is the Father of Jesus. Remember the words of Jesus? He said, I and the Father are one. And therefore we also call God our Father because he is the Father of all believers. It was the Lord Jesus himself who taught his disciples how to pray, and he taught them to open with these words, Our Father, who art in heaven. Not our angry judge, God have mercy because you're out to destroy me, but rather our Father, who art in heaven. Because in Christ, we are children of God, and God is our Father. We believe in the triune God, which means we believe in God the Father. Our second lesson is found recorded in 2 Peter chapter 1, it is verse 17. St. Peter writes, For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love, 
With him, I am well pleased. When you think of a last will and testament, don't we oftentimes think of is we're expecting to read how the person who has now passed is going to distribute their estate and any money and funds that they have to another. And then I was told one time when I was considering writing a will that you also should put a message in. Do you want to say something to your family after you have departed? And I thought, what a wonderful idea. So when we read 2 Peter, we're really reading the last will and testament of St. Peter. This is the second letter and the last letter that is recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And out of all the things that he could have said about Jesus, and remember, he was an eyewitness as well as an ear witness. Out of all the things that he could have said, he actually opens up his letter with taking his readers to the transfiguration of Jesus, to that holy mountain up in Galilee someplace, where Jesus took his disciples and actually separated and took three of them, Peter, James, and John, with him. It was those three who would all of a sudden see Jesus shine in all his glory. It was as bright as the sun, and he shined in glory as bright as lightning. And what they were witnessing was certainly the glory of the Lord. Who, and by that glory revealing who Jesus really is, he is the Son of God. Not the Son in the sense of he's one Christian among many, but he is, with a capital S, the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And this very Son of God is also the Son of Man the very title he used more than any other, which emphasized his humility. He is fully God and fully man in one person. And as I always say, he's not half God, half man. That would be Hercules. That's Greek mythology. No, he is fully God and fully man in one person. We in our confession say he's true God and true man in one person. And why does our Savior need to be that? Because in order to pay for our sins, Jesus had to take on human flesh. He was born of the Virgin Mary. And, and two things had to take place in order for Jesus to pay for our sins. He had to satisfy the demands for justice as well as the demands for righteousness. We needed a son of man who would keep the law perfectly because you and I, by nature, are sinful human beings. Not only have we inherited a sinful nature, but we actually commit sins. We commit actions that are against God's holy will and against his holy commands of perfect love. And the wages of sin is death, so we need a savior who would not only be perfect for us, but who had actually suffered that punishment in our behalf because it was not a punishment that you and I could suffer and live. We needed a Savior who would conquer death and rise again with the promise that because I live, you too shall live. We needed a Savior who is not only the Son of Man, but the Son of God, so that his, so that his sacrifice on the cross and his perfect life 
that he offered for the sins of the world would come for everyone. That's why no other Savior will work. That's why Jesus is not one Savior among many. He's the only Savior. Because the Savior we need has to be both God and man in one person. And that is exactly who Jesus is. He is our Savior. And the work that he did for us when he gave with his perfect life and his death on the cross was, was nothing but astounding because it is the work of redemption. He bought us back from the slavery of sin and freed us from that with the forgiveness of sins. Oh, he paid the debt that we owed because of sin, and he paid it in full. God's invitation is to believe it, and through faith in him, not faith in what we do and what we think we need to do, but faith in what Christ has done for us, that we are really saved. So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we believe in the one triune God, which means we believe in God the Son. Our third lesson is taken from St. Paul's letter, his second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He calls you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. This is the word of the Lord. Over the years, I have heard people say, oh, you are of the Lutheran Church. You guys don't believe in the Holy Spirit, do you? That is the furthest from the truth. Yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, but you guys never talk about him much. Oh, quite contrary. We realize that without the Holy Spirit, we are not saved. In fact, we joined the Apostle Paul in also giving thanks to God that he chose us to be saved by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We didn't choose him. We couldn't choose him by nature as sinful human beings. We are saved because he chose us and called us. And he did it by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit who calls us to faith and even strengthens our faith. For without saving faith, you and I would be lost. Yes, you're doing the believing, but not without the work of the Holy Spirit who works within your heart, always testifying that salvation is in Christ Jesus alone. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Only through him do we come to the Father. And that is what the Holy Spirit teaches. But he doesn't do it. Just, I always say, out of thin air. And he doesn't do it using prayer. Because prayer is a fruit of faith. So you have to have faith in order to have a God-pleasing prayer. No, the means that he uses to call us to faith and to keep us in that one true faith is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Now, this gospel is completely different than the law. The law which shows us our sins and ultimately a need for a savior. The law which says that the punishment of sin is death. But that very law which tells us that we are sinners because we have broken God's holy commands does not have the power to actually stop people from sinning. That's not true of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ through which the Holy Spirit works, not only calls us to faith in Jesus, but has the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to work faith in one's heart. Even our faith is a gift of God. And it is for that gift we thank God greatly. Because without faith, we are not saved. We're not saved by the works we do. But we do good works out of love for him who saved us and gave his life for us. The Apostle Paul writes to stand firm. There are so many attacks against that gospel, even these days. Hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hold to the gospel and it is, as it is clearly taught in his holy word always taking God at his word and giving God all the credit and the praise and the glory forever and ever because he deserves all the credit and glory, the very God who has saved us. Stand firm, my friends. Hold on to the gospel. It is the means of grace through which the Holy Spirit works. It is proclaimed in the Holy Word and it is used in the Holy Sacraments of baptism and Lord's Supper. In fact, it is that gospel that gives baptism and Lord's Supper its power and authority. We believe in the triune God, which means we believe in God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.